Today's episode is an excellent example of why I think this is the greatest hobby of all time. Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. Thanks sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadia Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. And thank you, Carl, and uh, thanks to your dad as well for sharing this very nice story of a family and a, a legacy of a card set that is really tough. And uh, unpacking that was fun. I got most of it in this episode. I'll have a few outtakes for you later because I thought it was an interesting story worth sharing. So thanks, everybody, and uh, here's the interview. I was just going to say, that's what I've been, I knew that was the set my dad had collected. And just a, a couple of years ago, when Heritage had an auction for, I think it was the number one PSA registered set for the 48 Leaf cards. And he started seeing those advertisements in the Sports Collectors Digest. And he says, Carl, I've got all these cards. Okay. And uh, <laughs> that kind of was when we started doing, and I had known that he had them, but he very rarely took them out. And then when, that started my research into the set. Some interesting stories behind the set and even some unanswered questions I think that are out there that I've heard different things on why the skip numbered set, the short print versus the the more commons. How are those distributed? I did all that research back okay. in the 70s and the 80s uh, as well. And the, there's been more information come out because it's a really interesting set and confusing and complicated and uh, intriguing. Questions I guess I have is I talked to my dad. I told him I was going to be on here and he gave me permission to share his diary and his personal recollection of actually collecting cards. He has no recollection of a checklist. He didn't really even pay attention to there the numbers. There wasn't and, a checklist. It was okay. intentionally skip numbered. That can be pretty well established now. The kids wanted to complete their set. And when they're missing a number, they think I got to buy some more packs to fill in the okay. cards I'm missing. The one theory that I had read from a book that was published in 1981 was that there were some contract disputes between players doing the 48 Bowman set, which was a, the black and white set in this set. But when I looked at the 48 Bowman set, there's a lot of players in the 48 Leaf set as well. So that didn't make sense to me. But uh, yeah. I know that was a theory that was put out there. Again, I've heard the theory, but the problem is in the 48 Bowman, which probably did predate the 48 Leaf, people think mm -hmm. it probably was more of a 49 issue. Right. Even though there are 48 copyrights on the back. But that theory probably is false because you got Bob Feller, you've got Stan Musial, you've got uh, short print leaf as well as more common leafs mm -hmm. that are in that set. They would have pulled those if they'd all been in the short printed version. Right. And even then, the 48 and 49 copyrights are not consistent. They're in both yeah. of the tougher series as well as the, and I would say easier series, but none of the cards are easy. You've got hard cards and really hard cards. In fact, the yeah. cards were so... Uh, challenging that when I got in the industry in the early 70s, they weren't even sure that there weren't more leaf cards out there. I don't know that anybody had a complete set in the early 70s. If they did, nobody publicized it. Hmm. And then finally, I think they found an uncut sheet of the first series to show that they were printed in these seven across and seven down 49 card sheets. Oh, okay. So then they are suspecting that there was another 49 cards of the short printed sheet. Do you think the short printed cards were published in a first series in, in, no. or was it a second? Based on all these years and reflecting back is that both were put out at the same time. My good friend, Ted Zanadakis, who's a little bit older than me and remembers collecting them, thinks they came out in very early 49. So yeah. probably in between the 48 and 49 Bowman baseball. 
Okay. They were bigger than the Bowmans. Uh, the production quality wasn't better, but they were in color, even though yeah. it was a, not a great uh, color treatment, very primitive color treatment. Mm-hmm. But so was 49 Bowman and 48 Bowman was black and white anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think they both came out the same. The distinction, Carl, I think, and this is what's curious about where, where your dad was, the theory is that, especially because of the geographic concentration of the players in the set, is that the short prints were mainly marketed in the Midwest, specifically Ohio, uh, Michigan, maybe Indiana and Illinois. There's no teams in Indiana, but there's a bunch of uh, Cubs, uh, Tigers, Indians, Reds, uh, a lot of the teams in that area. And so when I was at Bowling Green State University in Ohio in 75, and I was buying collections in those states, specifically Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, Okay, Illinois, there were the short prints there. So where was your dad? Where, where did your dad collect? He grew up in Holland, Michigan. So right along Lake Michigan. But interesting thing about dad as a youth, he had kept a really good journal. And back in 2018, when we started looking at these cards and asking questions about them, he went back to his journal from 48 and 49. And he can pretty specifically pinpoint that he started buying these cards in April. It was actually opening day baseball season in 1949, he wrote down that he had bought a pack of bubblegum and it has the pictures of big league stars in them. And that's the way they marketed it was big league all-stars, I think was was, was that in the pack. And so they really marketed it as bubblegum with, with big league ball stars. <laughs> I, kn- I um, traded my gum when I was collected in the more in the late 50s. I traded yeah. my gum for additional cards. I, I should have kept the wrappers too, but your dad probably did keep the wrappers. He, so he the, doesn't have any wrappers. He did send five of them in to to get the premium. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what he did was he got the album. He doesn't have any recollection of keeping the wrappers. So one interesting thing he writes in his journal is April 18, which was a Monday, was the true opening day of baseball. And that just the Washington Senators played. And he writes that President Harry Truman threw out the first pitch. And uh then the next day, Tuesday, is when the Tigers started, and we're big Tigers fans here in Michigan. That's when he wrote down that he got bubblegum from the drugstore, and it had pictures of big league all-stars. But all of these cards, all of his were the the regular print, not the short They were all the commons. He actually, when we well, looked at through... They're not commons. Well, no. The, the Series 1 or Series 2, however you want to call it, they're not the short print series. So he actually had 50 cards, and he had all 49 of the non-short print series. He only bought them from the one drugstore here in Holland, and he bought them for probably two months, according to his diary. So they must have collated quite well because he doesn't remember trading. He does have a record. He does say that he, I think it's the next day, April 20, he bought several packs of gum, sold the gum in school, and he kept the cards for himself. So Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. I said the only thing he messed up, he should have kept the wrapper, kept the wrapper. box, yep. any of the things. But uh, that's interesting. The collation was that good. I have not found that to be the case. I did at one time have a complete set of all the, the 40, 849 leaf, but okay. I've since broken it up. I've mm-hmm. kept a few. But the high numbers were the, the not the high. Actually, 49 leaf football also has 98 cards. Yes. And they are low numbers and high numbers with the high numbers being quite a bit tougher. Okay. But that would have been in the fall of 49. So probably that maybe the leaf company learned its lesson. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kids didn't like the skip numbered thing. And yeah. yet we, from your dad's experience, I doubt that he bought 10 packs to get 50 cards. I think they were five cards per pack. I so, asked him that just yesterday and he thought he paid a penny 
for a pack, and he wasn't oh, okay. sure how many were in each pack. Well, but. Yeah, okay. There may have been one per penny or something. They're, they're different. Uh, a lot of those sets had uh, penny packs and nickel packs and things like that, but okay. cool. Okay, and so ha- when he had this collection, was it still intact? And then... Yep, so what he did was he... Another one of his uh, later that month, he he wrote an entry where he sold. He says he bought a few more packs of gum, and they were the last packs in the box at the drugstore. So they gave him the poster, which was on the bottom, which was Lou Gehrig. Those are known as the Forty Nine Leaf Premiums. I found out after doing some more research, and that those are very tough to find, uh, and actually not real collectible. I think because they're very they're bigger. Yeah. So finding them in good condition is tough, but, and he actually thought he lost those. He couldn't find them for a long time. And just a year ago or so, he was looking through his stamp collection and he found them tucked in between layers of stamps. He had four of them that he had picked up and he remembers getting, he wrote down that he got the Lou Gehrig one and he remembers going back to the drugstore to buy more cars and the shop owner had saved some because nobody, some of the kids didn't even want them. So he would just give them to my dad. I was going to say he had four of them. He kept those in good condition. And then what he did later, he records that he sent in five of the wrappers and got the album to store the cards in that was advertised on the back of a lot of the cards. So that was uh, like a 36 page black cardboard book. And what you did was you to store them in, there was like a four corner tab album. So you slipped the cards in one, the top or the bottom, you manipulated the card to get it to fit in. And so that's where he stored them. And then he kept them in there for, years and probably about 25 years ago he took them out of there my oldest nephew took an interest in them and they put them in a nine page sleeve and then again got them into his sleeves and then just never did anything with them he stored them back again in his safe and, they, and that's where they sat it wasn't until 2018 that he had seen the, the advertisements from heritage auctions and he's my goodness i have all these cards and so that's when we started reviewing it as a family and and talking to him about what do you think you want to do with these? And I honestly didn't even know he had really, I remember slightly other cards, looking. other cards too, or were these the main? That was the only year he collected. And right. and I was thinking about that the other day. I talked to him. I said, when he was born in 1932, I collected as a kid starting when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, I collected 79 tops was the first year I started collecting. Well, when he was 10, that was like, there wasn't any cars out there because right. it was in the middle of World War II. That makes sense that he didn't collect before then. And then after that, when he started making a little bit of money, that's when he started collecting these cards. I asked him why he didn't keep collecting. And he says, I don't know. I just stopped. So Maybe he graduated uh, from high school or something. Yeah. <laughs> my dad had cards. I got cards from my dad. My dad was born in 1925, so a little bit older okay. than her dad. Yep. And so he had 33 Gowdies. So that's when he was eight years old. He had a bunch of those, some 34 Gowdies, some of the other mid-late 30. You know, he had a few of the heads-ups and black and white, things like that. But then he also had some play balls, which would be mm. to your point that yep. by 1940, my dad's 15. But the culture was different then. He even had a, just a few 41 play balls. So then my dad is 16, and you're thinking high school, again, simpler days, but cool. Okay, and so your dad, whose decision was it to distribute these to your siblings or to do some kind of a yeah, so early? But that's yep. an interesting uh, thing. When we... Took him out a couple of years ago, and it was just a period of probably, then I approached him and I said, Dad, are you thinking about how do you want to handle this set? Do you want to distribute it? Do you want to see what they would get at auction? Because we had no idea. We, we didn't know anything about grading. Yeah. I had been out of collecting for a long time, and I didn't even know how they graded cards or what they were looking for. To me, they all looked, they were beautiful cards. He bought into a great printed set. They were just nice white borders, not a lot of 
miscuts or printing errors like you see in a lot of cards. Um, And potentially, I thought he could be looking at a, a lot of money. My brother, Kurt, actually contacted Heritage and then got a call from Derek Grady. I know who you've had on your program before. And he looked at some of the scans and he's, my gosh, these are just beautiful. But you won't know. I won't know. He knew how dad had stored them. So there was the potential for creases and things like that. We sent several cards to Heritage and then he looked at them and he said, there's, it's not bad news, but he says the, the, the deal is that your, when your dad stored them in that album, he probably creased, he creased almost every card. And then that's for, from a grading aspect. So that's a, just nothing you can do about it. But there's a ton of value there. He said, you guys decide what you want to do. So we talked to dad and he's like, you know what? From his perspective and he's still living, he says, I paid a penny for basically for a majority of these cards. He sold the gum to buy more cards. So one of the early believers in a self-sustaining hobby. And (laughs) he just really wanted to pursue. And another thing is we, he has six kids. I have five siblings. So he's like, how do I, we're distributing them evenly to six kids. Some kids love cards. Some kids were like, I don't really care about cards. So I think he felt better about getting some value out of them, some monetary value, but still having some, because we kept, like I said, we kept 18 cards back that we could distribute three cards per sibling and then they can do what they want. So you sold at Heritage or what? So ultimately that's what we did. We went to, we consigned them to Heritage and they were sold. They got them ready, just did a phenomenal job. You know, the communication from Derek was great. And so they sold in December of 2019 was the first auction, and then they held a few back and sold them just this past May, 2020. And dad did really well. He's, for him, it was closure. He started collecting and then he was able to see the cards find a different home. And he was fine with that. And we were fine with that. We talked about it as a family and just said, was this, and then that's where, because I had told you my, one of my episodes that was your favorite was a uh, mortality with John Newman. And we talked about that. What's the legacy you leave? And he's always been about giving and treating your neighbors yourself and for him to be able to use some of this newfound money, really. He wasn't ever planning on, had no idea that these cards were even worth that type of money. He got a nice check and he gave a little bit to us and he has been given to his charities and he's got a great story to tell. 